I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Jason and this is Gabe and we got we got knocked out of hyperspace. <laughs> we set we set our Navi computer to indie year and something came out of nowhere and knocked us right out of hyperspace and here we are. You might say we're in trouble again. <laughs> we're, we're stepping softly into the danger zone here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking about the Droids animated series. When Ewok movies and the Ewok cartoon came on Disney Plus months ago, there was like, oh, don't worry. The droids cartoon is coming soon. They just knew that we couldn't handle it all at once. We needed a breather. <laughs> we needed to recuperate. We needed some time to rest before droids hit people across the face with excitement. And I don't, I don't think it's any big secret that we love the droids cartoon a lot, even though we've talked about it a bunch on the show, I think in 2017 and what was like a three, four month span of time, we did three episodes on the droids cartoon. We went a little droids crazy, but this is different because that was kind of the combined 
movie versions of some of the episodes and the great heap, which just always was kind of like a giant size episode, but we never really got into the actual full series. And I feel like too, in those commentaries, we were goofing on the show a lot. We were like, well, I don't know what's going on here in this show. I feel like being able to watch them in really good quality on Disney Plus in the past couple weeks or so since they've been on there. I mean, I always knew I really loved the show, but I was like, wow, I've gained a whole new appreciation for the Droids animated series just in the past two weeks. I'm sure the Ewok challenge helped a little bit, too. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it's like the goofy, ridiculous, over-the-top stuff is still there, but watching them just as individual episodes there's a lot of star wars in there and for being you know something that they tried to do in 1985 like it is pretty impressive and i think too yeah comparing it to the ewoks show which we did the ewoks cartoon challenge a couple months back and it almost killed us (laughs) droids is just a completely different kind of thing yeah it's much more what you would think of if you thought of a Star Wars cartoon. And in a lot of ways, it is really the blueprint for what Star Wars animation still is to this day. Yeah, which we're going to be going all in to the history of the show, how it came about, yeah, how it is the precursor to all the animated series that are still going on today. It was Clone Wars before it was Clone Wars, which is crazy to think of, but it's true. But I know we talked about like our crazy period in 2017 where we did like three droids commentaries. For those playing along at home, it was episodes 97, 84, and 74, if you want to go back into into the backlog. Even before that, Gabe, I'm curious, what was what was your history with the Droid Show? I know we talked about this with the Ewoks. Do you remember watching it when it was on Saturday mornings after it disappeared after one year? It was on the Sci-Fi Channel for a while. And what was your familiarity with uh, with the Droids animated series? Like the Ewoks show, I totally missed it as a kid. I never watched it. I don't even remember knowing about it as a kid. And then after that, I feel like it was one of those Star Wars things I would see at conventions. I'd like, you know, someone would have one of the prototype action figures or something. Like, so I knew it was a thing, but I never really watched it before. I think we started watching it for the show. Like I knew of it, but I wasn't familiar with actually what it was. I remember watching it kind of like Ewoks on Saturday mornings. Cause even yeah, when we started doing like our commentaries in 2017, it was vaguely familiar to me. I even kind of remember like in the nineties, when stuff was starting to come back out, the droids and Ewok cartoons were still really kind of mysterious. They were always kind of brought up from time to time. Like, oh, yeah, remember there was a droids cartoon? And it's like, oh, well, you can't get that. And then people would say, like, well, George Lucas doesn't want those to come out or something because they were bad or something. Well, and it's funny to think about, too, back when really there was only VHS Getting episodes of television shows was ridiculous because you couldn't just buy the one VHS with the whole season on it. It was always like one or two episodes on a on a tape. And it really wasn't until DVD that we started getting like 
a reasonable way to get an entire season of a TV show. But at that point, when the DVDs came out, instead of just releasing the TV show, they released those kind of edited together mini movie versions. Their story within themselves. (laughs) So, you know, finally getting just the original episodes on Disney Plus in a ridiculously high quality for how many years? It's 1985. (laughs) 30-year-old? More than that. 35-year-old show? Is it's pretty amazing that not only are they there, but they look the best they've ever looked. And I feel like droids still gets kind of a bad rap amongst people. Like it, it is just kind of lumped into that whole. It's old. It's weird. It's not canon or whatever. So you can't take it seriously. You can't really judge it by those standards. You can't judge it by like the the weird factor of like the Ewoks animated series because. It's like, number one, the stories are super interesting. The animation is amazing. And it has more of a connection to behind the scenes of the the Star Wars movies. It's got the Ben Burt factor and the Joe Johnston factor of like being directly involved in droids, which I don't feel like there was as much direct involvement on the Ewoks animated show. Well, and really, too, they're, they're in the same category I feel like as maybe the Marvel comics or some of the old newspaper strips where it's just that really kind of out there Star Wars stuff that just kind of is at the edges of what you would expect to see in the movies. And it just it just kind of gets crazy when there's something so very pure about the droids cartoon, too, that it's C-3PO and R2-D2 just going on adventures. It reminds me of back when we did our commentary of a new hope where like all the, the George Lucas, like, well, it's just, just it's a story told through their eyes. It's all, they're, they're the character. Like every interview from the 1980s too, it's like three PO and R2 are the only characters that are going to go through all the films. We are watching these adventures yeah, told around three PO and R2. They are the main characters for once. Like in a new hope, they kind of get, the story kind of moves away from them eventually once Luke and Obi-Wan and Leia kind of come in. But it is kind of neat. Just like, yeah, this is just, we're following R2-D2 and C-3PO. There's something just so core Star Wars about that. Yeah, because it really is kind of almost like this is just what their lives were like. And then eventually they just stumble into the whole story of the Star Wars movies. But like those two have just been around going on adventures for as long as anyone can remember. And it's it's also kind of, you know, watching this reminding me of after Disney getting Star Wars and, and thinking back to that whole time like we did with the Art of Force Awakens book too, of like this was the Star Wars movies were done and some of this was Lucasfilm like figuring out, well, what is Star Wars without movies? And this is kind of those first explorations of, you know, does Star Wars work without Luke and Vader and does it work as a TV show and not tied to a a movie, which we're still seeing explorations of that all these years later. When it blows my mind to just thinking that droids premiered on ABC, what in September, 1985. And it was just two months later that caravan of courage was on ABC yeah, there was like there's so much like Star Wars beyond the movies going on 
in the space of three months on TV. <laughs> well, it's just it's it's really neat now looking back because it feels like Star Wars on TV is a new thing now with Disney Plus, but really it's not, and it kind of is. We're now seeing the the fruits of seeds that were planted in 1985. Like finally the time is right for something they've been trying to do ever since then. And they figured it out and we're now getting, you know, some of the best star Wars stories we've ever gotten. And they're coming on TV in either animated form or in live action TV, that dream, that George Lucas dream from 1984, 85 has come true. And I think we said this with the Ewok movies too, but I, you know, it, it kind of all started with droids. <laughs> I hope people are ready. This is going to be a droids love fest. It's going to be a love-in. We're getting out the beads. We're lighting the incense. I think I have a tambourine somewhere I'll be playing. <laughs> I started out in animation. Uh, that's why I studied in school. When I started film school, I've done some animated films. I did full time with Steve Spielberg. And um, I've always had a strong interest in help. You know, I developed... Pixar Studios and CG animation and everything. I never got a chance to play anymore. What? How will we ever get out of this? Stay tuned for droids. It might have seemed weird in 1985 when the droids cartoon was about to premiere on ABC, but George Lucas, as he was saying up and down before Clone Wars came out, he's always been super interested in animation. And there was a quote from him in the 100th issue of Starlog, which is this amazing 10th anniversary tribute to Star Wars, where he says, I've always been interested in animation. And again, it's a chance to experiment with ideas and new people and Star Wars characters. The Star Wars world is much easier to deal with in animation. You can be much more flexible in the development of ideas. I've put off doing it for years because I didn't have the time. You think of that was him saying that, what, in probably 1985 or something? And what he's saying, too, applies directly to Clone Wars, to like everything we were saying, everything going on now. Star Wars and animation just works. Yeah, and at a certain point, I mean, we're, I think we're already there that people in the future, if they look back at what, what was this Star Wars thing, it's almost going to look like it was an animated thing that they happened to make a few live action movies of. <laughs> because there's so much more animated Star Wars now than there is live action and Maybe with Disney Plus, live action will catch up, but I don't know. They have, you know, 100 episodes plus head start. And it was like almost a weird thing during the prequel era when Jendi Clone Wars kind of came back. We're like, oh, my God, it's like Star Wars animated. And then you know, when, when the regular Clone Wars show came out, it's going to be a Star Wars animated show, like not movies. It took a while to kind of get back into the groove where now – it's this symbiotic relationship going on between what's going on in live action and animation. And yeah, it is just part of the whole star Wars thing. Well, and the fact that there's huge amounts of people who are fans of star Wars because of animation and they were animation fans first and eventually got into the live action movies. 
And when we're talking about Lucasfilm and animation and the development and history of droids, we've got to talk about Nelvana and we got to talk about the holiday special cartoon. I mean, Nelvana was a Canadian company. It still is. They're still around. They were formed in 1971 by Michael Hirsch, Patrick Lubert, probably completely mispronouncing that, and Clive Smith. And they... They never intended to be an animation studio. They were based in Canada, and they were thinking, well, we're going to start a film company in Canada, a place not really known for its, the, its film business. And they started making short films for the CBC and eventually began making animated shorts. And in 1975, they set out to make a fully animated holiday special, which became Cosmic Christmas. Which is, if you've never seen Cosmic Christmas, it's totally wild. It's on YouTube. And it's like these three wise men come down in a UFO to like this kid. And what's kind of crazy is that the the three wise men kind of look like the father from Mortis a little bit. It's kind of wild. And Cosmic Christmas came out in the holiday season of 1977. And it got on the radar of Lucasfilm when they were starting to develop the holiday special. And George Lucas wanted to have a little animated interlude in the middle of the holiday special which you think even that is kind of a wild concept that this holiday special idea that started with the best intentions there was a part of george lucas that was like this is going to be star wars on tv we should do animated star wars just like one year after the movie had already come out he's already thinking that and so yeah they contact nelvana they have a meeting with them. They hand them the script called The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. Did you remember when it came up on Disney Plus with the, when they introduced the whole vintage thing? And people are like, oh, it's crazy. They gave it a name. And I never realized that it had always been called The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a very short period of time to get this whole thing rolling. And in 10 days, they did a complete storyboard presented it to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm loved it, and they went ahead and did it. And it, st- it stands out still as, I think, what the one moment from probably the holiday special that everyone can agree on is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the only part of the holiday special, yeah, that everybody likes. And it's probably the only part of the holiday special that almost doesn't look like it came from 1977 either. Like, it, it, it has that timeless Star Wars quality, especially now that there's been other Star Wars animated stuff. It just has its own Star Wars look to it. And the animation in it is still absolutely incredible. I, don't, I always think about like the animation style. Gabe, how would you describe the animation style in The Story of the Faithful Wookiee? It's very stylized. I know George Lucas wanted them to go for the kind of Mobius look, but it, even with that, it still has its own kind of surreal look with the proportions of the characters. And I think that's part of the charm is it it's not trying to be realistic and it's not really trying to be what you would think of a cartoon animated style of a, of a human character. It's, it's, it's its own thing really. And it's just this kind of, it's crazy. It's like, whenever I think of it, I always think of the heavy metal magazine and like the movie heavy metal and just that really kind of, obviously touched by the human hand and weird imperfections in it and not everything is necessarily in a straight line 
kind of animated style that is just kind of just screams like 1970s that that kind of disappeared i think especially in the 80s things got much more clean and much more kind of like hate to say like cookie cutter but in in a lot of animation like everything started to kind of look the same yeah it did have like a raw kind of roughness to it which fit really well with the original star wars movie too which had a raw roughness to it but there's a direct line from the the look of the story of the faithful wookiee to droids that doesn't really exist in ewoks though yeah and i wonder if that's some of what is drawing me to the droids cartoon and and i how i wasn't drawn into the ewoks and i almost was thinking on the weekends when they showed these did they show ewoks first because weren't they back to back because I'm just wondering like, if you had to sit through an episode of Ewoks to get to droids, if kids would just flip the channel. <laughs> it was called, when they showed them back to back, it was called the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour. So if if they were going by the the title, it would be Ewoks first, then droids. Yeah, the Ewoks were the opening act, but maybe people didn't stay or stick around for the headliner. <laughs> the totem master scared everyone away. Once a man made of pure sausages shows up. <laughs> Saturday mornings are never going to be the same. But you're right. Like the Nelvana style from the holiday special kind of influenced the droids. And then you could even say when the 2D Gendy Clone Wars doesn't seem like a, a complete change in style. It's a different style. But the fact that it is a stylized look at Star Wars, it didn't suddenly become more realistic and then going into clone wars when they went 3d you know i remember early on thinking clone wars was going to look like photo real because i was like oh they're just going to use all the like cg doubles they made for the movies but then the fact that it went extremely stylized as well like completely being more inspired by the marionette puppets from thunderbirds and like something carved out of wood as opposed to reality really you could say does go back to the story of the faithful Wookiee where star Wars animation has always been stylized. Well, and I think the Jendi Clone Wars, yeah, it was very much aware of that because what it Anakin in the, the, the trippy like second part with the, the story that runs alongside the, the abduction of Palpatine and all that. And they travel to the planet Nelvan. Yeah. The creatures on that planet all kind of look like the dog people from Rock and Rule a little bit. They pretty much go to Nelvana Planet. Yeah, because if there's, it seems like if there's one thing consistent about Star Wars animation is that Star Wars animation is always changing. And even with Rebels or Resistance or Galaxy of Adventures or Forces of Destiny or whatever that thing with everybody's a BB-8 ball... New Star Wars is always pushing for a new style and a new take on what Star Wars can be. A lot of that really, yeah, is the legacy of what Nelvana did in the holiday special and then eventually with Ewoks and droids. Because even those two shows, which were on at the same time, had different art styles and different feels to them. Yeah, and and with those shows... George Lucas was saying that he wanted to advance the state of kids' animation. Like we always say, he's not going to do something unless somehow it's advancing <laughs> whatever that 
thing is, whether it's computer gaming or movies or television or animation. And Lucasfilm itself was in a pretty interesting time where development on this show kind of started not too long after Return of the Jedi, like May of 84, like a year after Return of the Jedi had come out. And like the dust had kind of settled from the original trilogy. And I think it really was a kind of like, okay, what now? Because toy sales were starting to go down. There wasn't new movies coming out. There wasn't new product. And what do we do? How do we, (laughs) how do we be Lucasfilm? How do we have Skywalker ranch and all these things going on without this giant juggernaut that is star Wars just kind of, pumping in money and not to like make it about money but you know i think there was like the kind of idea of like we've got to kind of keep this thing going because there were droids toys and there were ewok toys and it's like okay well what what can we do and how can we still make it something that isn't just kind of cashing in on the star wars name how can we still have something kind of interesting yeah because it's easy to get maybe get cynical and think that you know these were just toy commercials and in a way, yes, they were just toy commercials, but just because something is a toy commercial doesn't mean it can't be entertaining or push the art form of animation. You can be a commercial and still be art, which, I mean, the Star Wars movies themselves are a good example of that. On one hand, Return of the Jedi had so many toys, but it's also a really good movie. <laughs> It doesn't have to be one or the other. Because originally what Anthony Daniels didn't even want to do the show. In an interview in Starlog, Anthony Daniels is saying, when they said, we want to make a cartoon series with you, I groaned. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I haven't really liked cartoons because the normal Saturday morning cartoon is not a high quality production. They assured me it's not going to be like that. And then he goes on to say, I'm no mug. I wouldn't support something just because Lucasfilm is doing it. As long as there's cash. But that I think that's the thing with droids. It's gotten a bad rap over the years, but I think more than ever now, with it looking incredible on Disney+, Plus, if you go back and watch it and actually see the kind of stories they were doing, it's not just a cash-in. It's not just a toy commercial. It's really good. It's really kind of amazing. And there's story arcs in it. You think of at the time, that was probably unheard of because if there would have gone on and been multiple seasons of droids, they probably would have like wanted to do reruns and syndication and episodes would run out of order. But it's almost like you've got to watch the droids episodes or at least the arcs in order, which is very much how Clone Wars went. Yeah, it's almost, you know, the the criticisms of these Lucasfilm animation shows Ewoks is kind of guilty of them. Like the things Anthony Daniels did not want to be a part of is kind of what Ewoks is. But when you focus, yeah, on droids, it really, yeah, is setting the tone for what even Bad Batch still is with these multiple episode arcs. And just the fact that 3PO and R2 are the main characters, even though they're the sidekicks in the stories. And just the idea that every few episodes they're introducing totally new main characters is kind of a crazy thing that I can't think of. I mean, has any other show done anything like that? No, I don't think. And and it was so bold too, just like a year after return the Jedi too, where they didn't have 
Han Lucarlea in it. And in the in Star Wars Insider article, Nelvano was talking about how they were begging Lucasfilm to let them use film characters because they didn't know how to do stories with just C-3PO and R2-D2. How do you do it? What do you do? And like, when is this thing set? Because they knew people would be asking that even back then. And like Boba Fett shows up, IG-88 shows up, like Sny Soodles and the Max Rebo band show up. But that's about as far as we get with characters from the movies. Yeah, Patrick Lubert from Nelvana says, we, we tried to talk George out of that, talking about having it just be about droids. We really wanted more Star Wars characters, like because I thought we could have done really well with them. George was adamant in that he didn't want to expose those characters at that time. He just wanted the droids. Yeah, <laughs> It's never too late for IG-88. <laughs> What are the basics of the the three story arcs that take place in the 13 original episodes of Droids? Well, there is the original, I think, four-episode arc, which is the droids along with some racers, Jord and Thal and Kia. Like a lot of the show, they're kind of in trouble with the the underworld, the crime syndicates. And these first four really, I think, start strong and feel very Star Wars and maybe didn't feel as Star Wars in 85, but post Phantom Menace and all of its focus on racing, it totally feels like something you would see in Star Wars. Watching it now is like a completely different experience. It, it yeah, seems to just fit right in. It's just like, oh, yeah, of course, racing. Yeah. George Lucas loves racing. He loves space. It's space racing. Well, and also, you know, with realizing now how much like his original outlines for the sequel trilogy were going to be all about the underworld and the crime syndicates and just how much it must have been rolling around in his head all these years because that's like what's going on in so many of these droids episodes as well. It's like the idea of there's always gangsters and criminals that, that you're dealing with and it doesn't have to just be the empire. And then we move into the Manjupa story arc, right? Which (laughs) with things are pretty like, you know, star Warsy with like the white witch and racing and all that stuff. Yeah. It just gradually gets stranger and stranger because then we get what they find a droid that you think is a droid, but it's not a droid. It's actually this alien man who's Manjulpa, but he's really a prince. There's crime lords, and I guess there's actually just like the evil vizier who wants to take over his planet. But this, you know, this starts to feel again like maybe this is Phantom Menace with royalty and court drama and all the kind of stuff that. Maybe in 85 didn't feel like Star Wars, but after the prequels, this just fits right in there as well. 
and then an evil miner kidnaps them, but his base is in a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't this one have the old prospector? We got us some drawers here. They figure they kind of easy in with the uh the space racing. You're like, oh this is kind of Star Warsy. And then yeah, they're they pile on the craziness with big mustached prospectors and crazy space princes and volcanoes. There's a bunch of pirates. There's the pirates of Tarnuga who are led by Kaibo Ren. <laughs> I'm a pirate now. That's what I am. <laughs> I didn't die. Well, and yeah, and they go to the island on Akchu. Achu. There's a sea monster. It's totally not the sequel trilogy at all. <laughs> well, and this one, there's the mysterious episode kind of mixed in here. Episode nine, Kobe and the Star Hunters, is kind of attached to this because they go on a mission with uh, the son of Lord Toda. And Lord Toda was one of the characters in the Manjupa story. But this is kind of its own little side story. Yeah, like where they, they chase a cat. And these these poachers after a cat or something. It's it's kind of an odd little standalone weird one that's kind of connected, and it's written by Joe Johnston. Well, and the I wonder if it's the Joe Johnston Ewok movie connection too, because there's a character in this towards the end, Greegy or Greege, who kind of looks like Noah from the Battle for Endor. Where do you take Star Wars? The trilogy is done. <laughs> Old men. That's what that's what the future's got to be. The other thing with this episode that totally blew my mind is at the beginning, they get in an accident and 3PO's neck gets stretched. And so his neck is like really long and there's like a spring. He has a spring for a neck. But because his neck is really long, he talks in this crazy lady voice. Where he's like, oh, my neck's in trouble. And that brings us to the Mungo Baobab arc. Yeah, finishing it up is our favorite character, Mungo Baobab. The story is by Ben Burt, but the individual episodes uh, are written by other writers. But this is kind of the beginning of the full-on Ben Burtness of the droids with Mungo Baobab. Is is Ben Burt Mungo Baobab? Maybe he's got his archives. Of all his audio stuff, that that's his real treasure, even though his day job is finding other treasures. Master Mungo, he's like a treasure hunter. He's got a beard. Well, he's kind of like a Kenny Law Lo- if Kenny Loggins was in Star Wars. <laughs> and he's looking for the rune stones all the time and like the rune comet. He's taking 3PO and R2 along and all of his adventures. Well, and this one gets really crazy too, because there is there seem to be less characters in this, but the characters there are are just totally insane because there's a bug man. And then isn't there the the weird, like, tiny general guy who has a voice like this? <laughs> and there's an imperial guy with a cyborg arm. General Screed. Yeah. It, it may sound like these shows are crazy and like, you know, the totem master or like the Ewok cartoon or something. But no. They're totally wild, like on that Ewoks level of totally crazy, but they're great. They're charming. 
Yeah, they're not going to give you nightmares. <laughs> you might not be able to sleep because you won't be able to stop thinking about them, but you won't not be able to sleep because you're terrified. Some of the crazy stories, though, and the characters and the wild situations they had to get in were be- because there were incredibly strict restrictions on the stories from ABC, right? Yeah, and that, you know, was a thing with the Ewoks cartoon and is definitely an issue with this, that as much as they're trying to push what Saturday morning animation could be, there were very yeah strict rules dictating what Saturday morning animation can be. So ultimately droids is kind of filtered through those strange regulations and there's some fascinating stuff in the Tashin Star Wars archives book. They have an actual scan of one of the documents they got from ABC uh, from the department of broadcast standards and practices uh, with notes about the show, little things like uh, one is, Make sure the Imperial shuttle does not resemble a weapon-like vehicle. (laughs) And then please do not imply that Boba Fett is being paid a fee since his intentions are to harm our main characters. If the issue of money does arise, then his intentions may only be to capture. So it's like in a cartoon, it's okay to pay someone to kidnap someone, but it's not okay to pay them to murder someone. (laughs) And then it gets really weird, like the last... One on this page is, in order to keep the amount of bondage to a minimum, perhaps we can see the aliens wrapped up like mummies rather than having them tied up with rope. (laughs) I guess there were strict limits about how much bondage you can have in children's cartoons in the 80s. Each episode, too, of Droids was insanely expensive for the time. Where between Droids and Ewoks, it was about 500,000 to 600,000. Per Droid's Ewoks Adventure Hour Saturday morning cartoon. It was the most expensive cartoon on Saturday morning at that time. And the ratings weren't even all that great. But still, it stood out amongst everything else. There was nothing else like it at that time. Because you think of all the other Saturday morning cartoons, too. They were a fixed group of characters, always kind of in a fixed location. You think of Smurfs, Snorks, <laughs> Masters of the Universe, Thundercats. They all were kind of roughly around the same groups of places in every episode. Where droids, like the background, is constantly changing. And it stood out from everything else, too, because the opening theme song is Stuart Copeland, Fresh Off the Police, which was still a really big band in 1985. Doing the incredible smash hit jam theme song in trouble again. Yeah, the theme song is so good that on Disney Plus, when the option to skip intro comes up, if you click skip intro, it still plays half of the theme song. I get mad when it says skip intro, and I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> this is this is the jam playing right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's unskippable because it's too good. And it's been, because we were getting ready for this episode, literally multiple times this week, I would wake up in the morning and that song is already like playing in my head 
because I'll like open my eyes and my head will be like half in the middle of the song. So it's not even like I woke up and my brain started singing it. It's like my brain was singing it before I even woke up. And we even went down the deep end too with the promotional 45 from Spain, right? This is mind-blowing. Yeah, this gets really weird because I don't think there was ever a Droids Ewok soundtrack released, but for some reason in Spain, they had an album with side A was the Droids theme and a bunch of other Droids songs, and side B was all Ewok songs, but... All the songs with lyrics were translated into Spanish and sung by somebody else. The droid's theme on this 45 is maybe the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Got to talk about too that was it the day before Droids premiered in September of 1985. There was the Saturday sneak peek fun fit test hosted by Tony Danza on ABC with special guest Mary Lou Retton. It was a half hour special showcasing what was going to be on Saturday mornings on ABC coming up. The premise is we're in like a school and Tony Danza is like teaching fitness to a bunch of kids. And pretty much his co-teachers in this fitness thing in the school are R2-D2 and C-3PO. Mary Lou Retton comes out, does a bunch of flips across like the gymnasium, trying to teach like R2-D2 and C-3PO how to do gymnastics. It's pretty incredible. Oh, Mr. Danza, how do you do? Hello, 3PO. How are you today? R2? What was that, R2? Oh, he just said he's all fired up and ready to take the fun fit test. But, Mr. Danza, how do you know what R2 is saying? Oh, it's easy. Uh, I got a friend in Brooklyn that sounds just like him. Is Brooklyn in this galaxy? Oh, yeah, well, it's sort of a planet on its own, you know? Hey, so what do you guys say? It's time to reach for the stars. Huh? As in Star Wars. Oh, how exciting. R2, it's us. We're on. Oh, my goodness. I do believe stardom is going to R2's head. Well, anyway, this fall, the droids are headed your way. It's pretty much you're watching this, and just as your mind is about to start doing flips, Mary Lou Retton shows up and does flips for you. R2-D2 apparently falls in love with her. Does he ask her on a date? I don't know. He just starts acting crazy. Isn't that when he puts a tie and and glasses on? He just loses his mind. Then after 13 episodes, after a full season on the air, the popular theory is that droids was canceled, either because it was too expensive or all the things. But according to Star Wars Insider... It was Lucasfilm that decided they didn't want to keep doing the show just because it was so expensive. And they kept doing Ewoks. Then we got Ewok Season 2 with a lot of changes to it. 
And like we said in last week's episode, too, there was the very mysterious Brian Daly script for Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell, supposedly for Droid Season 2. So you've got to think if maybe there was really the thought of how do we ground droids a bit more? Is there a way to do droids and do it cheaper? Like, what if we did kind of center the stories a bit more? And what if we did bring in Lucan and Leia? What if we did them like the story of the faithful Wookiee style? Maybe that would boost the ratings for droids a little bit. And I wonder if at a certain point it was just like, no, we're not doing that. Let's just not do droids anymore then. Well, there, yeah, because there wasn't a season two, but there was an hour-long special, right? Which is The Great Heap, which is completely written by Ben Burt from the mind of Ben Burt. And, you know, this is Ben Burt's Star Wars, The Great Heap, which is really crazy i still can't believe that the great heap aired on saturday june 7th 1986 at 8 p.m prime time on a saturday night and it got the worst ratings of any show anywhere that entire year of 1986 people were not ready for ben burt let loose but yeah the great heap is some wild stuff it's c3po and r2d2 don't the, isn't the planet called Bitu? Not Batu, Bitu. It's got Mungo, and there's a giant droid that eats other droids, and R2-D2 ends up at a droid spa and meets a lady droid, but they don't realize that they're just hanging out waiting to be eaten by the Great Heap. At one point, C-3PO thinks R2-D2 is dead. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole emotional moment. It's really kind of amazing. It's some wild, wild Star Wars. If you've never seen it before, definitely pull it up on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's under Season 2. On Disney+, Plus, Season 2 is just the Great Heap. But again, just like after the 13 original episodes and after the Great Heap, you would have thought the droid story ended there. But no. 2004, things get really interesting. Droids comes out on home video, on DVD, with two droid films the pirate and the prince and the treasure of the hidden planet they're re-edited versions of the story arcs with new like wipes and transitions to kind of make them into one big story again they were done by ben burt so somewhere after attack of the clones and before revenge of the sith ben burt was just working on re-editing droids episodes these Say they're produced by Rick McCallum. <laughs> I mean, they're really like it's like the droids special edition where they're yeah they're edited in movies. They have a completely different score. They have, I believe, some different dialogue in places to kind of try to make them seem like a single story instead of multiple episodes. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some audio mix tweaks here and there. If it's if Ben Burt had his hands on it. Well, there's really weird stuff because what in the Pirate and the Prince. The original version, there's Cy Snoodles and the Max Rebo Band playing an absolute smoking jam in the version that's on Disney+. Plus. And then in The Pirate and the Prince, the movie Ben Burt, Rick McCallum version, it's a totally different song. Cool, yeah. Johnny, choose, 
Yeah, I wonder if that has to do. So those, both of those versions had music by Marco D'Ambrosio. He wasn't a big fan of the uh, the super super intense Max Rebo band song, and he wanted something a little more a little more jazzy. I don't know. Which is it blows my mind that not even the droids cartoon was safe from the rule that if anything Star Wars comes out on a different format, it's just got to be totally different. And I don't remember these getting any kind of hype at all in 2004. No, unless it was like one weekend when they were like, hey, these are here. We know you have episode three fever, but check these out. (laughs) But it is in a way interesting that they were bringing these back out during the prequels because there are so many kind of almost connections to the prequels of things that showed up in these episodes and even the the DVD edit versions that were either in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, or Revenge of the Sith. Because with the biggest one right away in the Thal Jobin arc is they're talking about how they they can't wait to get to the Boonta Eve race. And it was great watching people watching droids for the first time on Disney Plus. And I don't know if people knew about this connection and seeing people be like, what? Did they just say the Boonta Eve? <laughs> Yeah, because it has the Boonta race, and in that arc is when Boba Fett gets hired. Jabba the Hutt is talked about. There's the the planet Bogdan and its moons, like Jango Fett brought up in Attack of the Clones. There's a four-armed cook in a space diner. There's a wheel bike that looks like Grievous's wheel bike. There is a two-headed alien that looks like the pod racer announcers. There are actually two pod racer announcers in the speeder races on Boonta, which are kind of like the Phantom Menace guys. Well, and weirdly, there's weird sequel stuff. Like there's like we talked about, there's the island that looks exactly like the Achu planet. There's a horse race, which is eerily like the Father's Chase in Last Jedi. There's, of course, Kaibo Ren. Well, and Kia from the from the first arc in the very first episode, the White Witch, her appearance is in the desert with goggles and like wraps around her face, very much like Ray's entrance in Force Awakens. I mean, it's almost like I don't know if because these are Star Wars things and they just exist in the archives and they exist in people at Lucasfilm's minds that they come back, or is it that the concept artists designing the new movies grew up watching these cartoons and these things are subliminally in their head. I mean, it's maybe it's a mix of both, but yeah, it really is the Star Wars is forever and everything comes back or no idea is ever thrown away. When it seems like the biggest droid fan in the world is superstar Ben Burt, because in The Phantom Menace, his cameo at the end where he's standing next to Rick McCallum his name is Eben Baobab. Yeah. And then what? It, the, the crazy book, Star Wars Galactic Phrase Book, which everyone has, of course. Gabe, who's the writer of the Star Wars Galactic Phrase Book? The Star Wars Galactic Phrase Book and Travel Guide, which, yeah, I missed out on this book for way too long. This book is intense and insane. And it is written by none other than... Eben Baobab. 
and the description is compiled by the Baobab Merchant Council with the generous sponsorship of the Widows of Alderaan Educational Consortium. <laughs> totally normal. Well, I mean, I still, you, tu- you turn on the Great Heap, the best thing on the Great Heap is the credits at the beginning, huge on screen, written by Ben Burt, in front of a sun, a sunset written by Ben Burt. So, Gabe, if people haven't watched any droids on Disney Plus yet, or if they've only sampled it, what would you say is the one arc to check out? What's the one arc that best defines droids or the one that's filled with the most wild stuff? I don't know if one of them could best define droids, but I think if you're just going to watch one, I would start at the beginning and watch the first four because they seem the most normal Star Wars. And I really enjoyed those because I think because I have seen edited movie DVD versions, these ones were kind of the freshest to me um, because I don't know that I'd actually seen much of these. So this was like, you know, two episodes in, I was like, man, I really like the show. (laughs) So I think just start from the beginning and yeah, go through those first four. That would be my recommendation. What about you? Would it be cheating if I said to start with the great heap? Not really, because that's your most efficient way to get in. It's like 40 minutes. It's like an appetizer. And if you like the appetizer, then you can dig into the, to the main course. Because, I mean, that is the beauty of droids is, like, you could start with this, which is technically season two, and you won't feel like you don't know what's going on. Because even if you go back to the regular show, you're going to not really know what's going on because every four or five episodes it starts over with different characters. I think The Great Heap is a a great introduction to the spirit and the craziness of droids. And I agree with you, too. If you enjoy The Great Heap, go on. Just start at the beginning. Start with, start with the Thal Jobin arc. Yeah, and then after that, then you're ready for Manjupa and all the wildness in there. And finally, you can cap it off with a sweet ride home with Master Mungo Baobab. But then you might think the droid story ends all there, right? With all that, with everything we talked about in this episode, the droid story is over. But is it? Because don't forget... At that big investors meeting, Kathy Kennedy talking about a droid story coming to Disney+. And her description of the droid story sounds awfully familiar. As we continue to develop new stories, the intersection of animation and visual effects offers new opportunities for us to explore. Lucasfilm Animation will be teaming up with our unparalleled visual effects team, ILM, to develop a special Star Wars adventure for Disney Plus, a droid story. This epic journey will introduce us to a new hero guided by our most iconic duo, R2-D2 and C-3PO, on a special mission known only to them. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know, that sounds like a, uh, just an episode of droids to me. (laughs) Yeah, we are potentially going to get Great Heap Part 2, another standalone droids adventure, and even if it's a different art style, even if it's ILM, if it's R2 and 3PO joining forces with some new characters, it's a droids episode. And really think about it because it's Lucasfilm Animation joining forces with Industrial Light and Magic to tell an R2-D2 C-3PO with a new character story. It's going to be the old dream of George Lucas to 
really push animation to the next level finally happening with kind of the blueprint that was laid out by Nelvana way back in 1985 with this cartoon. And even going back to that with the story of the faithful Wookiee, just laying the course for all the future of Star Wars animation. I don't know. I feel like Star Wars is forever and droids cartoon is forever. It's more influential probably than anyone gives it credit for. Well, and like we were saying at some point, they're going to have to stop calling it Star Wars animation and just calling it Star Wars and then start calling the live action stuff Star Wars live action because there's going to be so much more Star Wars animation than anything else Star Wars. I don't know. I'm just so glad it's it's on Disney+. Plus. Who would have ever thought the day would come when not only the Ewok movies, the droid series is on a Disney Star Wars streaming thing in HD quality. Here we are. We made it. We may not have flying cars, but we are full on living in the future that I can pull my phone out of my pocket and watch any episode of droids in an instant. If you want to hear in trouble again, right before you fall asleep, dream sweet dreams. If you need to hear the episode where there's a medical droid yelling, I'm a medical droid. You can do it anywhere, anytime. If you've got to pull up Lindy, the comedy droid. First thing in the morning, just to give you a a little pep in your step. How did we make it this long in the episode and not bring up Lindy the comedy droid? (laughs) I think we bring up Lindy the comedy droid in every other episode. I know. I kind of had forgotten just the the raw intensity of the actual Lindy. Like, our memories of Lindy the comedy droid aren't as intense as rewatching Lindy the comedy droid. I think there's even more Lindy the comedy droid, it feels like, in the real episode than in the, uh, the edited movie version. Droids is a beautiful thing. <laughs> tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell your friends. The droid story is far from over. Shipmate, I'm Wendy, an entertainment droid program for perpetual fun and happiness. <laughs> I don't see there's anything to be happy about. Oh, what about this lovely cruise we're getting? It's free! <laughs> Come on, Goldie, loosen up! with the Star Wars droids. The race is on. R2-D2 and C-3PO get Thal Jobin ready, set, and gone. Thal's a sure winner, but villain size and T-Chrome want to stop him from the side gunner Teague attacks. Thal races for his life, but here comes George Dusat in his A-wing. He fires, hits his mark, and sends Teague sailing. Who says good guys finish last? Share the adventure with these figures and vehicles. Batteries not included, each sold separately. New from Tennis Star Wars Droids Collection. these last points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise
Okay, you know the deal. Apple Podcast Reviews. When you're done listening to this, if you listen on some sort of Apple something or other, head over there, write a little something nice about the show. Not only does it bring warm feelings to our heart, but eventually we'll get around to reading those on an episode coming up. (laughs) We say it every week. Hopefully this week we can read some iTunes reviews, but we will very soon because we've got some good ones and we want to read yours. So go leave us one on there. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill Group. And we want to support the show in a different way. We've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where every weekend we have got our Bad Batch review episodes. Just last weekend, we had the episode for Bounty Lost. Our minds may have been lost. <laughs> I lost my pants in that episode. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> it was done. I'm not wearing any pants. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, that's going on over there on uh, the Blast Points Patreon. But that wraps up episode number 272 here. Droids, we love you. We love you, droids. It's good to finally give some real history and shine a little bit of love on the droids cartoon because often misunderstood, not appreciated enough at all for how amazing it is. And if you got, you know, 20 minutes to kill, Disney Plus is right there waiting for you. Pop on the droids and make your day better. Step softly into the danger zone. So, yeah. <laughs> so all right, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with Indie Year making its uh, big return. We're drinking the blood of Kali next week. So got that to look forward to. But thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Super Night on ABC. First, a behind-the-scenes look at the makings of the movie Supergirl. Then Christopher Reeve stars in Superman 2, the ABC Sunday night movie. All starting at 7, 6 Central on Mountain. And now stay tuned for the Superpowers Team Galactic Guardian Show next.